0: Welcome everyone to the new episode of the truth and Rally podcast. I'm your host Anthony Roman reporting of middle of nowhere And since the last time I did a podcast ladies and gentlemen Mr. Oldale Dale jr. Has been wa- was waived by the Cleveland Browns Because his contract was so big He was he was not claimed by any team Upon him becoming a free agent, he made it seem that it was going to take more than a few days in order for him to make a decision in terms of where he was going to sign. There was even rumored in the beginning of the process that the Packers, the Saints, and the Chiefs were going to be the teams that were going to clamor over him and want him on their team. The teams that was rumored of him going to, ladies and gentlemen, some needed him, some necessarily didn't need him, some were just trying to make their receiving game a juggernaut if you want to call that call it that, so let's look at the teams that i was that I just mentioned. The Saints don't have really have a good quarterback right now. Michael Thomas just went down for the year after not even playing one game this season, ladies and gentlemen, he is down for the season, so the idea of Odell even thinking about going to the Saints. Is crazy because it's a team that will struggle in the playoffs. A team that so far has been able to stay at 500 or better, but the truth is they will sink. And the reality is they're most likely going to make miss the playoffs. And then you got the Chiefs. Now, if receiving the receiving yards and the touches that he was not getting in Cleveland was a problem, how is going to the Chiefs an option for him if Kalise and Hill? Or ahead of him in a depth chart. He will be third in line. Which means that he's most likely going to make maybe the same yards that he was making in Cleveland. Maybe five to ten yards more. But not a lot more. And then the Packers. Now the Packers made somewhat of a, a good idea compared to the other teams. Because you have Aaron Rodgers. They have a, a great record. And after Adams, everyone's kind of mediocre or below mediocre. Odell automatically comes in and is the second best wide right receiver. I mean, if you add Odell with Adams, you have a lethal option. But as I was preparing for this podcast earlier this week before things has occurred to make me basically do the podcast four days later, Odell has made a decision. He has made a decision to go to the Rams. And when he just signed with the Rams, I was looking at the, the choice of him going to the Rams, and I scratched my head again until some news came a couple of days later. But the first new, when I first heard him signing with the Rams, I thought, wait a minute. You, you want to get receptions. You want to get yards. Why would you go to the Rams? The Rams already have two good wide receivers. They don't need you. But... As of Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Robert Woods tore his ACL in practice, which opens up the door, the door for Odell to become the second option and get the receptions he want. So now this decision to sign Odell was great. It would have been great for the Rams if Woods could have stayed healthy and not got hurt during practice. But now Odell will get his yards. Hopefully he shows the world that he is still elite, that he's still good. You know, it was funny. A couple of years ago, when there was a, a, a season where Odell kept on having these issues on, on the field and et cetera and so forth while he was with the Giants, and he got pushed off when the Rams were still in St. Louis. And him and Alec Ogletree had a fight, had a big brawl off the field. But now he's a Ram. Let's see what happened. Let's see if the chemistry, there's chemistry between him and Stratford. Let's see if he's there to... To be an elite receiver or is he washed up? Has the injuries taken the the better part of him? Is he in L.A. because this team is a a team in contention? Or is he in this team with this sign with the Rams because it's a party city for him? It gives him everything he wanted that Cleveland did not have. It gives him everything he wanted that he had in New York. We'll see what happens we'll see what happens between now and the rest of the season he has 8 to 9 games to show that he's so elite hopefully he knows the playbook hopefully things kind of amp up quickly but we'll see what happens you know some things some things can gel and and do great quickly some take time so the question is will he automatically look great right off the bat or will it take at least 2 to 3 to even four games before we see the Odell Beckham that we saw in New York. Another free agent that was out there that he had been out there since the beginning of the season was Mr. Cam Newton. His old team, Carolina Panthers, Sam Donald, got hurt with a fracture and now is possibly out between six weeks to the rest of the season. They needed a quarterback. Cam Newton was out there. And Cam Newton is coming home to the Panthers. It is so crazy that he's coming home to the Panthers because a couple of seasons ago the Panthers did not want him. It was actually kind of crazy. Did, did they not want him because he didn't fit uh, the offensive coordinator Brady's, uh, Joe Brady's, uh, offense uh, offensive scheme? And now this season he does after more than sixteen months later. It's good to see him back. It's good to see if he still has it. I mean, the receiving core is probably the best receiving core he probably would have ever had with uh, the Panthers. We'll see if he makes a difference because at four and five, the Panthers still are a good team. They're still a team that went three and zero. They're still a team that faced that had issues with injuries and saw it affect their game overall. We'll see again. Will Cam Newton? Have the chemistry? Will Cam Newton be good right off the back, or like Odell, will it take a, cu- a couple weeks? Remember, Odell—the one big difference is Odell's been playing the whole season. He may have missed a game or two, or what have you, but he's been with the same team. Cam Newton hasn't played since the first week of September. I think it was last game of the preseason, when the 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 Patriots faced the Giants. That's the last time he he played. You're talking about more than more than six weeks of no practice of of no games, no nothing. Is he in game shape? How long will it take him to get in place? It's good to see him back. We'll see if him coming back helps the helps the Panthers make the playoffs and see if it leads him to a contract next season. So updated Henry Rigan Ruggs. Henry Riggins. Henry Ruggs. Last week we talked about Tuesday he got arrested for driving over hundred and fifty miles per hour and where he got he totaled his car and killed a woman and her dog and injured his wife. Now it's being said that he may miss, he may miss, he may be in prison for at least 50 years for what he did in the accident. It's crazy that at, I think he's 22, 21 years old, his career, his life is over. The NFL has to do something. Because listen to this another week, another issue is happening, ladies and gentlemen. Damien Arnett, had to be released by the Raiders after threatening someone of the life uh, for the life on a, with a gun and was captured on video. What is happening in NFL? Why are NFL players always doing careless acts like this, getting arrested, waving a gun, doing domestic violence? I mean it's it just seems like it they cannot go one year in where one player or multiple players don't do something like a Henry Ruggs or a Careless Act with guns or marijuana or whatever whatever the issue may be. But the Raiders have issues. We'll see if the if the Raiders can can sustain a five and three and potentially uh sustain a five hundred record with all these issues surrounding over them. We'll see if Deshaun Jackson, who they just recently signed after last week's loss to the Giants can help the receiving core that looked like it it needed that extra piece because it seemed like the the Raiders could not score once they got in the red zone. And maybe it was because they were missing that one piece that could have helped them. But it is crazy, ladies and gentlemen, that this acts always happen. Now, another thing to talk about was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, in the beginning of the season, said he was immunized. Hopefully I said that that word right. And then, he got COVID, and then people examined what he said. And the reality was, uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't know what immunized meant. He didn't know that it meant, or put in that didn't know that it meant that he was vaccinated. It led the world to to believe that he was vaccinated. He never said, "I am not vaccinated." He said, "Immunized." So now everybody's going over his, uh, talking about him excessively calling him a liar people on the team knew he wasn't vaccinated people knew that that where he stands is this this a code of ethics that comes between what you talk between your 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 players and your coaches in the locker room and what you let the media know is this a code they knew and they were okay with it but it's so crazy in how Aaron Rodgers now has is the what He apologized. He compared himself to before he apologized. He compared himself to Martin Luther King and said all this crazy things. Said he's in a copy of the Joe Rogan, um, the Joe Rogan method of beating COVID. Basically, it's so crazy. Onto how this whole vaccine thing got, got taken out of place or what have you. I mean, mm-hmm. right now they're N- NBA players like Kyrie Irving, who's not playing at all. But he admitted that he didn't take the vaccine, and he had no intention in taking the vaccine. So some people kind of give Kyrie Irving some some props in the sense that he admitted he wasn't going to take the vaccine. While Aaron Rodgers never really said it, but he, may, he implied it that he did, that he was vaccinated. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's what happens. Hopefully we can move on from this. Hopefully... We'll see what happens between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers now and the rest of the season. Oh, one of the things that people were saying about Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, was he had some drama over him and the Packers because he wants to leave the Packers. He talked about how he was never approached about certain players who either traded or released or not resigned. He talked about other issues that he wasn't included with, et cetera, and so forth. They thought with this lie about the vaccination, what else is he lying about? Does he real they said does he really feel all the things that he expressed in that pon- uh in that press conference in the beginning of the season where it was shown that this would be his last season with the Packers and next season he may be released? We'll see what happens between now and then. I mean the reality is He probably sees that he has three or four years left and he was angry at the Packers for thinking that drafting a quarterback as early as they did with love was a smart idea to do. He may want to play another eight years and do the Tom Brady and be in the league for another six to eight years. And if so, he doesn't want to leave. And maybe that's why he's angry. Like I said in the past, he has no reason to be angry versus a guy like Eli Manning who saw his offensive line and saw his pass rush and saw everything that they had at uh, 2011 when they made the Super Bowl and he saw it crumble the next six years of his career and where everyone was saying he should retire everyone was blaming him and saying all these odd and weird things about him acting like he never won a Super Bowl acting like he never made a Pro Bowl but the reality is the bad decisions by the Giants hurt the last six years of Alain Manning's career the decision making of the Green Bay Packers did not hurt Aaron Rodgers' mm-hmm. career at all, because even when the offensive line has always been good, they still had an elite receiver. They have a good rushing game. They have a decent offense. He's not end if to, if tomorrow he wanted to end his career, they didn't leave him a bad team to, to uh to retire on. He they left him a good team. But that's Aaron Rodgers and that's the Packers. Let's continue, ladies and gentlemen. So what a game between Indianapolis Colts and the Jets last week, where the Indianapolis and the Jets combined for over seventy points together and over a thousand yards. Even with uh, White getting hurt, Johnson came, Josh Johnson came in, and had a great game. But over seventy points, over a thousand yards, crazy. Tennessee, the Titans, beat the Rams. Everyone was thinking that the Rams had a chance, especially with the addition of Ron Miller, but the Titans came in and had a terrific defensive game versus the Rams, who looked unstoppable. And ladies and gentlemen, my Giants finally won. It seems like this team was destined to be under 500, and they are under 500 right now, but they, it, it seemed like there was going to be a common theme that was going to be associated with the Giants this, this year. Because so far they have three w- winnable games in where the fourth quarter came and costly timeouts happened in, in three games. The Giants should be six and three right now, but instead they're three and six. Three and three in the last six games. In the last three games, they've held teams under 20 points. But it seemed like with those three game winnable games between Washington, between. Um, Atlanta, I was the third team. I don't mind remembering right now, and the Chiefs. That penalty played association with them losing, where either they did something good, but the penalty took it away, or they had two penalties right back to back, which either led to a field goal or a touchdown, etc. And so forth. The Washington game, for example, was a game where we won the game. We won the game so good that, they, that the kicker missed the field goal. A 48-yard field goal. He missed it. And then what happened? A penalty happened. Erased that. An interception in the fourth quarter versus the Chiefs. And a penalty erased that. Long story short, we won. We beat the Raiders. The Raiders could not score with the six trips to the red zone. They only had 16 points when they had the opportunity and the chance to at least score a total of 42 points. And former coach of the Raiders, John Gruden, is suing the league and the commissioner in regards of the emails that was leaked and more. He's wondering, why was I the only one you guys focus on out of 650,000 emails you received? Why am I the only one that you guys are forcing out of a job? Why are you bringing up emails that didn't exist as in my tenure as a coach as a reason to, to exploit me or basically put out that? Listen, you were a racist, you said sexist things, and you said homophobic things. The truth is you should be fired. The reality is who are they covering up for? Did the NFL leak all, this, all these emails and the information that was on these emails? Because firing John Gruden says something. It's a statement. It says a big name will not be able to say these things and keep his job. You know, here's an example. Joe Judge, who hasn't really done anything in comparison to John Gruden. If you fired him, it means nothing to, to a lot of people's eyes. But when you say John Gruden is resigning or getting fired due to emails that had racist remarks and and, and this, where he said horrible things, it set, makes a statement to the world that there is no favoritism. But here's the, the here's the question. Are there other coaches that, that maybe John Gruden is aware of? Maybe that's why he's suing them. Maybe this is why John Gruden is suing them. He knows that there are other coaches who are racist, who have said homophobic things and more, but he's doing the code that a lot of p- some some people have where I'm not going to rat them out because I know that these individuals are doing the same thing. I don't think I should be Fired. But he's not taking everyone down with him. He's just saying, you know what? I'm coming after you for just selecting me as the only reason of someone who should be disciplined for my wrongdoing. But anyway, games of the week. Two great quarterbacks who did not play last week will be back for the Packers versus the Seahawks this this week. Russell Wilson will be back. The same as Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Russell Wilson has any rust after his injury. We'll see what kind of game it is. is these are two te- teams that faced each other a couple of seasons ago in the playoffs. We'll see if the Packers can rebound after their loss versus the Chiefs. We'll see if the Seahawks can can pull off the win. The Raiders versus the Chiefs. We'll see if the Raiders can... Bounce back after a loss versus the Giants. We'll see if the Chiefs can continue their winning streak uh, that they've won the last two weeks. We'll see if they could take advantage of a team that is hungry for a super uh, an elite or a wide receiver. The son Jackson is not Henry Ruggs. He's not elite anymore. At the most, maybe he can catch a deep pass, but he's not the guy who was in the who with the Eagles. Or with Washington, that he, where he gained a thousand yards or more. Anyway, he looked like a late receiver, but getting to Sean Jackson should help the Raiders. I don't know if it's the solution. I, the Raiders were actually one of the teams I was actually looking at as a team that should have signed Odell Beckham Jr., especially that they lost Henry Ruggs due to his arrest. And in terms of my Giants, this is they have the perfect buy, ladies and gentlemen. They get to have a bye week and three guys who weren't playing this uh last week's game, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas all coming back next week versus the Bucks. And the Giants have a great opportunity in the next 8 games to be 6 and 2. They don't really face uh great teams. So there's a great chance that this team could go either 6 and 2 and 5 and 3 and maybe even make a sh- uh a, a, a run for the playoffs if that last spot in the wild card isn't taken by Minnesota or other, any other teams off to the NBA DeMar DeRozan ladies and gentlemen at 32 years old is coming in and he looks like a, like the best play in the Chicago Bulls I didn't see him as that I saw him a guy who's in his early 30s who could still ball but, but not being better than Zach Levine I thought Zach Levine was going to be better than him But DeRozan is getting more attempts, and he's having a marvelous season. And after 13, 14 games into the season, the Cavs, ladies and gentlemen, are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. No one would have thought that there would be a team that that would be over five hundred at this point, or any point this season. I even had a head scratch. I thought there was going to possibly be a problem between Garland, Rubio, and Sexton all being point guards, and this team all wanting at least 30 minutes. And there was going to be some kind of some kind of problem, but Cleveland, ladies and gentlemen, is over five hundred. Cleveland looks better than my New York Knicks right now. Hopefully, they can sustain what they're doing so far. Hopefully, they get to learn and and and, and prove everyone because they will be the Cinderella team this season if they're able to be five hundred and make the playoffs. The Atlanta Hawks, ladies and gentlemen, do not look like the Atlanta Hawks that we saw towards the end of the season once Nate McMullen became the interim head coach of the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Hawks. Right now, they're under 500, The team does not look anything like it did last year in terms of what they were doing. They look worse so far. We'll see if Nate McMullen can rebound, or will the Atlantic, uh Hawks be one of the most disappointing teams In the NBA if they don't make the playoffs and they're not uh, at 500. And the Pelicans, ladies and gentlemen. The Pelicans have thought for the last two to three years that they were going to be a playoff team. I thought last season, if you said who was going to make the playoffs, my New York Knicks or the New Orleans Pelicans, I would have thought the Pelicans. But the Pelicans were under 500 yet again. And this season, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA now it's even even rumored that Griffin and Alvin Gentry had a, this some kind of disagreement where they own, where they had to be separated and all that was there when when two guys who 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 play sports it's passion and then the, the day's passion sometimes gets the best of us and it makes us get physical when the rally is we don't want to get physical with each other we just want to win but the pelicans could be sellers um uh, uh, when the nba trade deadline comes around i don't We'll see if they can rebound. We'll see if they can have some kind of good winning streak and and refocus and and become the team that everyone expected them to be, or will they be sellers? Off to the Kings, the Sacramento Kings' young player Ma- Maven Bagley refused to enter the game versus the Sun last week. And no matter what his uh, situation was, no matter what he was trying to prove or not prove, the truth is. You made it about yourself. You didn't make it about the team, about helping the team in any, in any kind of capacity. You made it about yourself and being angry at Walt, Coach Walton and being angry at the game because the Kings was losing. But the truth is you made it about yourself. And once you made it about yourself, now you have to apologize to the team. And the question today is how many of the teammates are not going to believe you? How many people can't move on from that? How many people, how's Walton going to believe that this guy is all in into this into this uh, team? We'll see if he can prove that he's all in. We'll see if this minor hiccup is just a minor hiccup and not something that's going to be a growing trend. But Maven Bagley has to apologize. He has to move on from this. He has to show people that he's a good player and he, he can help this team win. Off to another player. And it seems like three point guards in this season so far have problems either with the team for whatever reason. We got Ben Simmons who wanted to be traded, who wasn't traded. He came back after having a meeting and then automatically didn't want to go back into practice for whatever reason and got sent home. Now he's saying he has mental health and he's trying to work it out, whatever capacity he can. But the Sixers can't trade him because he has a huge contract. He didn't do well in the playoffs and he doesn't shoot threes. And he's just basically making a lot of money in the NBA. You cannot make trades if the salaries don't match up. So the truth is, no one wants him. What's the reality that he's never going to be Sixers again? He probably played the rest of his contract not on the court. Kyrie Irving doesn't want to play because of the va- he's not going to get the vaccine because New York says he has to have at least one dosage. He doesn't even want to just get the Johnson Johnson. He, doesn't, he just doesn't want the vaccine. So long story short, he's not playing for this team. The Nets can't, don't want to trade him. But even if they did, he has yet again, another player with a huge contract. And because no one can match up the salary, it's a very difficult job to try to trade him. And off to a third point guard. And I think I mentioned this in, in before the season started, but John Wall, ladies and gentlemen... John Wall is not playing with the Rockets. It was said in the offseason he wanted to be traded. Not traded. uh, They were trying to do a buyout, but they couldn't come up to terms. The Rockets says they would try to fulfill and work with John Wall in terms of trading him to a team that would want his contract, would want him. But What's the truth and what's the reality in this situation? Well, The truth is, his contract is huge. He's one of the highest-paid point guards in the NBA. I believe he's getting paid over $40 million this season if he played. What's the reality? Well, the reality is, in the last three to five seasons, he has been more hurt than healthy. So, big contract, injury-prone. John Ball, you are undesirable. You know, last season he played the most games he played in the previous two seasons. John Wall could have came in into the season, showed that he was healthy, showed that he still looks like an all-star player, and maybe, and just maybe there will be a team out there that would want you. Rather than then than not not try to trade for you. No one's in a trade for him with his big contract. No one's in a one-up trade for him because he's injured all the time. But yet for some reason, he believes that staying out and not playing for the Houston Rockets is a great choice. The Houston Rockets even think it's a good choice. Like really, I mean, man, this is one th- thing that I, I like about that I like about uh baseball. In baseball, there's been times where there have been trades where a guy has a big contract, another team doesn't really want him, but in baseball, you have the freedom to say, you know what, I'll take half his salary as long as we get him off the. Off the uh, off off our team, and we get new guys onto our team, and hopefully we can win with the new guys. And you can win with win this win this guy. You can't do that in the NBA. It's either you're gonna play for your contract, or not. There's no negotiation and reducing it in any any kind of size in any kind of way. In the NFL, they do some. They've been within the last two two or three months. It seems like there's always a a, a player in some team. That he negotiate a talk or whatever with the team and they reduce the salary to a point where it relieves some cap space for the team and basically help them. But the NBA, that does not happen. So the idea that John Wall is not going to play, the idea that there's four, over $40 million not playing and he doesn't want to prove to people that he's an all-star, he has to humble himself. You're not an all-star. You haven't been an all-star for more than three years. So show the world that you could stay healthy. Show the world that you're elite and show the world that you could be an all-star and maybe just maybe Houston Rockets will be able to trade you to a team that's in contention for a playoff spot until then you're again not playing again you look weak sorry to say that but he looks weak right now I want to earn my money I don't want to sit on my butt and not earn my money and it seems like John Wall wants to sit down and not earn his money Well, let's talk about baseball. The GM meetings are happening this week. Some people are saying that there could be quick signing, some trades and some free agent signings within the next couple of weeks prior to a December 2nd or December 3rd potential strike between uh, MLB and the players. I don't know if that's true, if that can happen. MLB t- off-seasons tend to be very slow. There will probably be like one move at the most that's that, that's eye-popping. But the reality is I don't believe that it will be multiple moves like you see in hockey and NBA and football that within three, three days, three to five days, you see more than 20, 30 players signing with new teams and trades and et cetera and so forth. That won't happen in baseball. So we'll see what happens between now and December 2nd. We'll see if they can come out with a plan with this no strike. But man. It's going to be interesting. Let's talk about wrestling for a second. Last week, the WWE released about 16 wrestlers. Since the pandemic has started until now, they have released at least 40 wrestlers, maybe even more. Some of these wrestlers have gone to the indie scene. Some of these wrestlers have gone to AEW. Some have gone to Impact and maybe even Japan. And it's funny, the guy who's making the decisions is Nick Khan. And the guy who's making decisions to sign and be involved and be a younger version of somewhat of a face in, in the wrestling is Tony Khan. They're not related. But Tony Khan seems to, to love wrestling and he's working to make, make AEW work. Where it seems like the WWE is not making, looking like they want to make it work. I mean, they had a great guy, a great talented guy named Karrion Cross, and they damaged his 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 character once he went from NXT to WWE. This ruined his image. They built something uh, great in NXT, and they wanted to change it. And I don't understand why they would do that. Why would you create something special in NXT and not let it transfer? He already has a fan base that was that that loved watching him in NXT. Why not carry it over into the main roster? Why try to tra- uh, change the way they look, their music, and how things work for them in NXT? I don't know. But long story short, they have released over sixteen rest- about 16 wrestlers last week. Nia Jax, who I thought was kind of bulletproof because of her whole connection with the whole Samoan love or what have you, got let go. It was even said that she was gone from wrestling because of her mental health. And the minute that she asked f- to be um to get more time in terms of not being of not wrestling because of her mental health, she got released. I mean, I don't know what's happening with WWE. It just seems like, man, this whole NXT that they do, they were trying to do in the Middle East, in Europe, it's just not working. And long story short, they look this look like a a crumbling organization right now. I don't know how to call it, say it any other way. Because AEW is coming. They're, they're having good matches. They're doing some cr- other crazy stuff too that looks sloppy. Matt Hardy had a match uh, last uh, night against Orange Cassidy. And there was a part where he was going to give Orange Cassidy an elbow. And as he went down, he didn't even connect. But he th- they played it off like he did connect. And I was like, man, what's wrong with this? And this happens a lot with AEW. There was a point where AEW, where a guy flipped out of the ring... Or something like that, and some some kind of miscommunication or whatever happened, and a guy randomly threw himself to the pole, and act like the the other wrestler did it when he didn't. It's like oh my god, but they've also done have, have done other great things. They've gotten Daniel um, Brian Danielson to leave the WWE. They got CM Punk to come back after seven. Years they're bringing in wrestlers who I never heard of, like Eddie Kingston, who looked great in a promo that he did last week in Rampage with CM Punk. It was, it was great, never heard of him. And apparently, he's been in in wrestling for 15 years. WWE never won him. And to continue with WWE, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about it the other day because I saw Dark Side of of Wrestling uh, a week or two ago where it talked about back in the 90s and about the mid 90s. Um, steroids had become an issue with the WWE. And it seems like one of the things they were focusing on was that back in the 80s and early 90s, the WWE liked having wrestlers who were like 250 and above. They had to look very rollick And then they kind of switched it up once they gave Shawn Michaels and other guys who were, who were smaller a chance, and it actually worked. Then it seemed between the last 20 years or so, they were giving these smaller guys a chance and opportunity to shine, to be main star roster guys, and et cetera and so forth. Now it seems like they're trying to go back to that. They don't want any guy under 250 anymore. It seems like they're trying They're trying to trend back towards that direction. But I, I don't know what WWE is doing. It just seems like, man. I mean, I even said it in the past before all these releases were happening. They had so many wrestlers that it was just kind of crazy that they had at least 10 or more wrestlers or 20 wrestlers that were in the arena, didn't wrestle, didn't have a match, and it would go on for months before we even see them even do one thing. And the minute you thought that we were going to see them on a week-to-week basis, they were gone right away. An example of that is Zack Ryder, who's known as Matt Cardona holy, I'm saying his name wrong, Matt Cardona Anyway, long story short, Zack Ryder, in his last four, maybe three to five years, won the Intercontinental. In Continental Champion in WrestleMania, hugged his father. The next day, loses it to to Miz. He didn't even get time to shine. He didn't was even given like a month or two to to really hold it. He was like gone the next month. Same thing happened. He got the United States Champion after that. He you see that the fans love it, and then they got rid of him. And then they got uh, rid of him. Uh, they made him lose it right away. I forgot to who, maybe to Kevin Owens. But long story short, this that was a guy who always seemed to you know, have the fans react to him going, doing his chant and doing whatever, but they always seemed to love having him in the back, pushing him to NXT, not really giving him a chance to develop any kind of rival between any wrestler, any great promos. It just seemed like whenever they gave him a chance, they took it away right away. It was never something that seemed like they were trying to do for multiple months. But long story short, this is crazy what's happening in uh in, in WWE. It's funny how the two, the the two guys responsible for the uh the downsize of WWE and the uprise of AEW both last name Khan. Not related but Khan. Um yeah, it's crazy. Let's see what happens in, in WWE if the WWE can have another rock, another Shawn Michaels, another Stone Cold experience where these guys who look amazing versus the, the the opponents and hopefully AEW doesn't fall uh, doesn't fold when maybe WWE does come back like wcw did but ladies and gentlemen that is my episode this is the truth and reality podcast you can subscribe to the truth and reality podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify you can also subscribe to to um my podcast on Spotify. You can follow me on Instagram. On Instagram, if you look, I have a website now. You could check my website, thetruthandrally.com. Hopefully you like what I have there. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, have a good day and even better night. Bye-bye.